0: Empire Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today I'm joined by Washington defensive tackle John Allen as we talk about his season. What's gone right, how much does he think about the Pro Bowl, and much more. Plus I talk to ESPN's Brady Henderson about the team he covers, the Seattle Seahawks. They're not playing well right now, but they still have Russell Wilson and a very good defense. What does Brady think about Wilson's future in Seattle? You can follow Brady on Twitter, at Brady Henderson, and you can read both our work, of course, on ESPN.com. I'll have a story up Monday about linebacker Jamin Davis and the linebacker and good friend he replaced at Kentucky Chris Oates. Oates suffered a stroke in the spring of 2020 opening the door for Davis to turn himself into a first-round pick. They're still very good friends. Oates is in a wheelchair, but you'll love his attitude and how he has pushed Davis so far. Also, don't forget my offer. If you know of someone in need of a pick-me-up during the holidays and you think a Zoom session to talk football would serve as a distraction, I'm happy to help. Contact me on Twitter at John or on Instagram at John_Kime_ESPN. ESPN. If it's you, please contact me. Now, I'm nobody special, but maybe talking ball will help somebody forget whatever's going on for 10 or 15 minutes. Before I play my conversations with John Allen and Brady Henderson, I wanted to give you my prediction for Monday's game against Seattle. I like Washington in this one, the team, not the state. If you recall, I was not confident in my Panthers pick last week and went back and forth on it. And the reason was because of the confidence that Washington is playing with. I looked harder at the injuries and the health situation. I should have stuck more with the confidence, and I think that confidence carried over into last week, and I don't think either win was a fluke. Both were the result of well-played games and a team that is able to overcome its mistakes right now. It's not like they played perfect the past two games. They haven't. They've just played well, and they've played well at the right times. Third downs, late-game situations, red zone, all those areas. That's how you win in this league. They're a tough-minded and resilient team. But I also think Taylor Heineke's confidence has shot up in the last few weeks as well. It sounds like that took a major jump after the Green Bay game because despite only scoring 10 points, he felt like he had played really well. In fact, they did move the ball quite well in that game. Except for a couple of plays in the red zone, Heineke was pretty good. Now those red zone plays made the difference in the game. That's what's been different lately. But he came out of that game with a lot more confidence and you're seeing the results of that on the field. And I think you see it in the red zone and in third down where he's been dramatically better in both situations. And I also think it shows in the coach's willingness to go for it in pivotal fourth down situations as they have the last two weeks and converting. I also like that as of this taping, I think tight end Logan Thomas will play. And if I had to bet, I'd say receiver Curtis Samuel would as well. I don't think I could be as confident in Samuels' return quite as much because of all the stops and starts to his season. But he has practiced this week, albeit in limited fashion, for three days. That's a good sign. It's a marked improvement, and we're seeing him run routes, something he wasn't doing last week. We'll know a lot more on Saturday. Um, it could only be that he, if he does play, it could only be that he plays 10 to 15 snaps. So Thomas's return would be much bigger. He gives He gives them a fantastic target, helps expand the red zone weapons that they have. And and just, he's a good target. He's a good player. I do think John Bates has to continue to have a good role, especially in the run game. He's been blocking well, and they need that to continue. It's an underrated part of the run game, the tight end blocking. And I think Bates adds a physical presence and just knows how to do his job. If you heard my podcast earlier this week with Logan Paulson, you know what I'm talking about. If you didn't listen to it, go back because I think you'll learn something. And even though Seattle's defense has started to play better, there are still holes. They do not do well defending screens to running backs or even just throws to the backs. That could mean good news for J.D. McKissick on Monday. Seattle's run defense has been solid of late. Since week five, they've allowed 3.53 yards per carry and 102.3 yards per game on the ground. So testing the D with Miss McKissick or Antonio Gibson as pass catchers would be wise. So watch for that. Defensively, I like how Washington's secondary is playing, and while I think the chance for a big play is still there, Tampa Bay got them, don't forget. Carolina did not, but I didn't think they would because I don't think that's their game right now with Cam Newton. I do think that Washington's in better position to make Seattle one-dimensional. The Seahawks' run game isn't great, so they can play a lot of the two-deep safety looks. I think you'll hear why that's important in a few minutes. I also love how the interior matchup for Washington with John Allen and Deron Payne against the Seattle Guards. I'm not going to assume that Russell Wilson will continue to play a certain way. But as you'll hear from Brady Henderson, teams have played them a certain way of late, and it's working. But again, he's still Russell Wilson. At some point, he's going to do Russell Wilson things. You just have to keep him contained enough or make sure that those big plays aren't a difference in the game. Overall, I like the mindset Washington is showing on the field. More importantly, I think they're just playing well offensively. Again, if they had converted in the red zone against Green Bay and Denver, we'd be talking about an offense playing at a certain level for four games. They, of course, did not, so we're not talking about that. Instead, it's just two. But the seeds of it were planted in other games. And Seattle's defense is hard to score against, so perhaps my 24-20 prediction might be a little high, but i still like them to win. If they do, they will be two games behind Dallas. Uh Uh-oh. And then life would get interesting. But win first, and then let's talk. That's it from me. After this break, I'll be back with Washington defensive tackle John Allen. Is he a guy that thinks about the Pro Bowl? Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with John Allen. Are you guys finally, I see finally, defensively, because like you just said in the press conference, that you saw some things building, but are you playing the last couple weeks the way you think this unit has been capable of?
1: I think so. And... Even though we played better these last two weeks, I think we played really well at Tampa Bay. I think we left a lot out there on the field against uh, Carolina. Um, but the last two jobs we were able to get the win, and that's what's important. But, I mean, we left a lot of things out there and we know we can, we can be even better. But I think this is a good start uh, to getting to where we want to go.
0: And the other thing another thing you said interesting in there too, you felt like you had guys been practicing winning habits. What does that mean and how does that, like, does that become a slow build to see the fruits of that labor, I guess?
1: When I say building winning habits, I mean, we were practicing hard. We were competing hard. Guys were working hard. There wasn't a whole lot of buzz during practice. You know, but for whatever reason, we would get into the game and kind of kind of fall apart a little bit. So, I, you know, I, I really want to say that it's, it was our practice habits that were keeping us back from winning in the beginning half of the season. Uh, I meant what I said when I said losing teams find a way to lose and winning sure. teams find a way to win. Like, as a team, we have to find a way – in the game to make it happen, to make that play. And I feel like the last two weeks we've done that, and that's what winning teams do.
0: What little things do you see, like, do you remember plays like saying, hey, that's a winning play? And sometimes it could just even be a, a nondescript play on third down that sets up a better situation. So, like, what kind of plays are you seeing happening that you would say are the winning plays?
1: Uh, against Tampa Bay, that catch, that catch that Terry had on third down mm-hmm. in the goal line, that's the winning play this game i don't think there's one game one play you could look at but i think of the whole drive being able to stop them from getting past midfield two drives in a row winning teams find ways that, and in different ways to win against the tampa bay the offense solidified it we didn't have to do anything against the carolina the defense had to go out there and get two stops and we did it so I re- it's really just finding different ways to win
0: you're getting a lot of attention obviously because of the six sacks but do you feel you're a different player at all I, even-
1: I feel more confident and i feel more aggressive um and I feel like I've just been able to find my own groove and, and what I'm good at and being able to stick to it.
0: And what what do you, what, have, what what's the groove that you found like other? What are you using that you say I'm just better at this? Let's stick to this. Is
1: there? For me, kind of like I said in there, I kind of like. I've done a better job of reading run pass, and I'm confident and I'm aggressive, and I'm not second guessing myself, and I'm just playing fast. And I know my brand of football. I'm not going out there trying to make guys miss trying to be cute i'm trying to go out there play physical and i think that's my brand of football that i've done a good job of you know doing
0: what's this will sound very dumb maybe but what's to read run pass what are some of the things you're better at doing to give you a better clue what clues are you looking for that maybe has helped make it easier for you to read
1: that i don't know if there's one clue in particular but i think as the older you get the more you're in the game the more you understand things the more you understand what the offenses are trying to do better formations you are at reading and, you know so it's, it's stuff like that and i feel like it's something that came with time and really just spending more time in the film room
0: it also your hands have always been really good and watching you sometimes even you had i don't know how many defensive tackles you have a couple rushes you are coming low with it but you're able to like work, knock their elbows in and get your hands inside how how hard is that to do because, you know, at, at that quick of a pace, I mean, is that something that, I mean, you've always been good with your hands, but are you even better with some of those things?
1: Uh, I don't know if I'll say better. It's just something that I've been, you know, paying attention to in practice. Every day before practice, I try to go out there and do my old pregame routine. And it's really something that I've just been practicing over the years and really starting to just perfect it a little bit more.
0: And, and I mean, there were, and the other thing too, you're very, you even late in that game, you're still getting after the guy. Do you feel fresher later, or was that maybe is that a function too of time of possession by the offense?
1: I think it's a little bit of both. You know, I think having Matt back has helped a lot. Um, not having to play as much. You know, I know I know some guys might not like that, but I don't believe more plays equals more success. You know, I think making the plays count is what's important. And having Matt back and be able to take that breath when I'm tired has really helped me out. You've always
0: also since you've come in, you you know, you've had to mature. Disposition in a leadership role, but have you? What have you learned as a leader along the way that has maybe helped make you a better one now?
1: Um, I, th- I think the biggest thing with leaders is finding different ways to get to different guys. You can't talk to everybody the same, and one way that might work for someone might not work for somebody else. So, really finding out what really gets through to each individual guy is is important for a leader.
0: Did you learn that early on? I mean, there's some guys, you no,
1: I'm still learning it. Okay, still learning it.
0: And, and with this group too, because you guys seem to be pretty tight. Do you guys like do you guys still go out like once a week or do things together as a I'll defensive a line group? I
1: want to say once a week, but we we try to get out every chance we get, especially on the road, go to dinner stuff like that.
0: How much how important is that?
1: I think it's super important, I mean, I think it's a lot easier to play good football if you play for guys that you enjoy playing with and do being around.
0: Rookies pick up the tab or
1: no. You know, I'm not really I, I mean, I'm not really big into making rookies do stuff like that. I had, kind of had a couple guys do that to me my rookie year. So I mean I might make them buy snacks for the room, but for the most part, if I go out to dinner, I'll treat them or Chase will treat them. But you know, we don't have a lot. We didn't have any high drive around rookies. True, that's so, true. Yeah, that's, so, yeah. that's that's true. <laughs> we, we don't we don't make them pay for anything. They got it. They got it really easy. You
0: also listen when you when you signed the big contract. There's always a target on the back a little bit because now it's like okay, what's what's he going to do now? You've come out and put up really good numbers. What kind of pride do you take in the fact that like you you had that your play has actually gone? Your att- the attention on you has gone up because of your, you know, people are noticing what you're doing more. What kind of pride do you take in that, that you, know, you get the big deal and you're living up to it, more than living up
1: to it? I take a great pride in that. You know, People always think that when you get the big contract, there's going to be no more pressure, and that's going to be farther from the truth. There's just as much pressure, if not more. So after I got the contract, the only thing I could focus on was, you know, it was my job to go out there and prove the coaches right before giving me that contract.
0: Do you ever talk to guys who have gotten those kind of deals and say, how do you handle that?
1: Um not really just because as competitors you're always going to want to win you're always going to want to go out there and dominate you're always going to want to play the best so most guys i talk to say the same thing they thought that once they got their contract they're going to be able to relax and and feel no pressure but that's just not the case
0: i notice even as in my job like you when you're younger you think oh you get to a certain age you can coast like there's never any coasting because once you get to that point you start to coast Someone's gonna pass. There's
1: no such thing as coasting in in our business.
0: Yeah. Do you also like, I noticed you're third in the Pro Bowl voting right now. Do you care about stuff like that?
1: I do. I mean, I'll be lying if I said I didn't care about it, but it's not my main focus. What I love to get in, 100%. I mean, I feel like it's everybody's dream to make the Pro Bowl in the NFL, but I'm gonna continue to just do what I can to help this team win football games.
0: Ron also brought up your hump move recently. How effective is that for you? And, like, Reggie White made a career out of that move. How much did you ever study his moves, and, like, how big a move is that for you?
1: That's something that Jim Tom taught me, and I feel like it's the backbone on what I do when it comes to pass rush, and I love it. I feel like it fits my play style well, and, um, yeah, I'm glad Jim Tom taught it to me.
0: Why, why does it fit your play style well? Like strength?
1: Yeah, it's a strength, aggressive. There's not a lot of finesse to it, and that's kind of how I like to play.
0: How excited are you looking now because of the last two games, because of what you guys have been showing? You're getting some guys back. Montez will be back soon. Logan could be back. Curtis back. How excited are you for this next stretch after the,
1: the way you guys have been playing? I'm excited. I'm just trying to not get ahead of myself, focus on it one day at a time, and, you know, we'll see what happens. I think we're doing the right things to get to where we want to get to. But, you know, we, we dug ourselves a hole, and we're slowly digging ourselves out, but we just got to put our head down and keep grinding.
0: Last thing, Russell Wilson, what's it like? I mean, you guys, you faced mobile quarterbacks. But what's it like facing him?
1: I mean, he's a dual threat, <laughs> a guy who can run, make you pay on with his feet, with his legs. I mean, he's he's a total round package. So I'm excited for the opportunity to play him and I'm sure we are.
0: I forgot to, have, I wanted to ask about the Sasha Boo stuff. Are you guys doing, any, did you guys do anything for Thanksgiving or are you gonna do anything for Thanksgiving with, with your foundation or any plans? Yes,
1: yeah, so we went out to DC, I, I wanna say last Tuesday. And we just walked around, you know, in inner city DC, and just passed out turkeys and just hung out with the community. It was actually a really cool event.
0: What, what's when you do that? What sticks out? Like, is there a moment that sticks out where it's like, I'm really glad we're doing this?
1: Um, really, just talking to the people, talking to the kids, and just hanging out with them. Always, that's that's what it's about. I don't want to make. I try not to make it about me. I try sure, not to know, take too don't. many photos, and I just want to go out there and just be genuine with my time and just really just spend time with them.
0: And that, it means, I'm sure, it means a lot to them. Yeah. So, thanks a lot, man. Sweet, appreciate, appreciate it. it. After this break, I'll be back with ESPN's Brady Henderson. What is Russell Wilson's future in Seattle? This Thanksgiving, be thankful for family, food, and free bets. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has a Turkey Day no-brainer you can't miss. New customers can bet just $1 on any Thanksgiving NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the Thanksgiving NFL action. Make your first deposit and you can play free for millions with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code KIME, that's K-E-I-M, I M—that's just $1 on any Thanksgiving NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code KIME, K-E-I-M, this Thanksgiving at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with ESPN's Brady Henderson. All right, Brady. Well, I want to get to Russell Wilson in a couple of minutes because he obviously is a big story and there's a lot. Of, there's going to be interest in him all over the place in this offseason, but I want to start with what else is holding this team back because Russell had the injuries and he's back now, but what else is holding this team back right now?
2: Well, John, early in the season, it was their defense and their offense was kind of going all right, and now the roles have, have been reversed, which is really similar to what happened um, last season, but you know, lately it's been their offense. And, you know, when Russell Wilson was out, he missed those three games plus the end of a third with his finger injury. You know, they were in all four of those games. They they won one of them, but in the three losses, they were in right till the end. And as we all know, Wilson has been one of the best finishing quarterbacks in the NFL right. over his career. And they really missed him late in those games. They, uh, you know, Geno Smith just did not have the the same, um, you know, touch at the end of games that Wilson has. And they they lost three straight games. And even when Wilson has been back, uh, he has not been right. And their offense has been off as a result. Um, In the Green Bay game, when he came back, that was his first game back. He said his finger was totally fine. He said his finger was not an issue. But um, I don't know if I've ever seen him miss as many throws as he did Mm -hmm. in that game. There were some just off-target throws. He also made two. Uh, forced decisions on um, interceptions that he threw in that game. He wasn't as inaccurate in this last game, uh, their loss to Arizona, but there, there was a missed throw there and there just was uh, some iffy decisions. And so they've scored a combined 13 points over their last two games. And really a big issue all season has been on third down. And you know, a lot of times third down problems are really first and second down problems that show up on third down. Right. This is very much a third down problem. They've been excellent. On first and second down, if you look at their uh, offensive EPA, one of the better teams on first and second down and one of the worst teams on third down. So, uh, you know, that's why Pete Carroll was so frustrated at the end of the Arizona game in his postgame press conference, because he was giving the same answer about what's wrong with their offense, saying it goes back to third down, third down, third down. And he just felt like he, he didn't have any new answers uh, because the answer was the same every time, which is that it, it goes back to third down,
0: and, which would be very frustrating for him. With Russell, in the two two games he's been back, I mean, again, the point production isn't there. So what else do you see if it's not the finger and if it's a rust, how do you see the rust playing out? Like, how does it affecting him?
2: Yeah, and that's really, that's the only other explanation that I can think of. And I think it's, and and he said he doesn't think it's an issue. I, I wonder if it is just because, you know, prior to when he injured his finger in week five, he had never missed a game in his career. So you're talking about, Uh, what, nine plus seasons, he'd been one of the most durable quarterbacks in the NFL. I just have to imagine that missing a month, which is, you know, the uh, time from when he had surgery to when he got back to practice, it was exactly one month. Just got to imagine that that, uh, you know, affects him in some way, because I just can't think of any other reason why um, or I should say it's it's just seems to me to be the most logical reason for why he's been as off as he has been. Um, You know, the two interceptions that he threw in Green Bay, there was one. Um, where he just forced a ball deep into double coverage to Tyler Lockett, who's you know a small receiver, not a guy right. that you really think is going to come down with a ball, a deep shot like that in traffic. Um, and I think it was on a first and 10 play. So it wasn't like the, you know, it was desperation mode. The other one in that game, that was more understandable. He, he didn't see a, a defensive back, Kevin King, um, or excuse me, he saw him, but King had his back turned uh, to the quarterback. And so he thought he could slip a ball in there to DK Metcalf, and King turned around just in time. Um, you know, there were some decisions in the Arizona game that I mentioned, uh, where if there was one where he, he looks like he had a few receivers, a few guys underneath open and he, he tried to take a shot in the end zone to Gerald Everett, uh, which was incomplete. And so, you know, there's, you, you can sort of look at every single play and maybe there's something different on every single play. I, I think that Wilson certainly bears part of the responsibility for this because of some of the questionable decisions and. I also think that you know the offensive coordinator. I think that he needs to do a better job of giving him more of those just easy layup type throws. Right. And you really saw in that Arizona game, and Colt McCoy, a backup quarterback, came in and threw for over 300 yards against Seattle. And it was primarily underneath dump off type things. There really was not a whole lot deep down the field. And just think that's an example of what the Seahawks need to be focusing on. When, you know, it, it seems like their offense has been boom or bust. It's big play or it's nothing. And they've just got to give Wilson more, I would call them layup opportunities.
0: And that goes back to a little bit what um, teams are now doing against them with that split safety look, the too high safety look. That's been a problem for them, hasn't it? And why is it a problem for them?
2: Yeah, it, it really was. And, and, you know, I went back and looked at this last season and, you know, one of the big themes uh, after last season remember their offense started off really hot Russell yeah, Wilson was he was the, awesome clear cut yeah he was the clear cut MVP candidate for the first uh, month and a half of the season I would say and then their offense really ran into some problems and it was kind of night and day between first half and second half and Pete Carroll made a comment at the end of the year about you know how they need to run the ball better and he was saying you know he, he doesn't he basically was saying that a big part of the reason was because they were facing so much too, so many too deep safety looks, and I went back in our uh, you know great stats database at ESPN and Wilson's worst games in the second half of that season were the games in which he faced the highest percentage uh, of too deep safety looks. And so I, I've not looked at those numbers yet this season, but I imagine that every other team in the NFL saw exactly what happened to the Seahawks last season. And if I can look those numbers up, it's got to be pretty apparent to them that a, a big reason why you know, defenses were able to have success against them was because they had, you know, they dropped an extra safety and coverage and made the Seahawks uh, take what defenses were giving them. And they just didn't have a good enough short and intermediate passing game to do that, to take what was there. Uh, and I think that's continued to be a problem this season.
0: And then without Carson at running back, it complicates the situation. It would appear. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, yeah. And that was a big, uh, you know, theme of, of Pete Carroll's, you know, what he was talking about at the end of last season. And, you know, Seahawks fans, uh they cringe when they hear Pete Carroll talk about balance and wanting to run the ball. Um, you know, people want to see let Russell Wilson quote unquote cook and all that. But you know, <laughs> Carroll's point is that it's it's hard to cook when you're not dictating how defenses play. And his point was you run the ball better. And I, I would add too, if you have more of a short and underneath passing game, you can accomplish this as well. Then you draw an extra safety, you draw that safety that is playing deep. Now, all of a sudden, he's playing in the box and you have a better chance at, at hitting those deep shots. And so, yeah, that was what they thought they were going to do. You know, when they re signed Carson on, on a two year, um, you know, I would say manageable, uh, not they didn't break the bank on him, they sort of let him hit free agency, let the market come back to them. They got him back on a very reasonable deal. Uh, and he, I think, played four games and then he suffered a neck injury and he has not played. He's going to have surgery if he has not had it already. So he's out for this season. They've really had to kind of get by with Alex Collins, who has had a nice career resurgence. He's really, he's kind of revived his career in his second stint with Seattle, but he's just not the physical runner that Carson is. And really nobody else on their roster is. Um, You know, they've got Rashad Penny as well, uh, who was their 2018 first round pick, who has just been stake bit by injuries and uh, kind of the, the icing on the cake there. He gets his first start last week against Arizona. Rips off an 18-yard run on the opening play of the game, and hurts his hamstring and plays only a few more snaps in that game. So that's kind of been how it. You know, that's what his career has been like. Um, now their backfield is banged up heading into this game. I would still expect Collins to be the guy, but um, their backfield's not in good shape.
0: What's Russell's future in Seattle?
2: You know, as as the losses pile up here, John, that's I think going to be the big question. That, that's going to be more relevant than anything that happens to them down the stretch, just because. You know, their playoff chances right now are, are pretty slim. And, um, you know, on one hand, you could look at it and say, well, you know, Wilson was unhappy after a 12 and four season last year when they won the division. Uh, and they, you know, they got bounced in the first round. So you can't help but wonder, but think, well, they're three and seven right now. They've already matched their most losses in any season uh, since Wilson became their quarterback in 2012. So I think it's, it's natural to assume that they're going to be at that same crossroads. Uh, that where they were at last offseason, when you know Wilson voiced his frustration right after the Super Bowl, it led to both sides, um, I would say, flirting with the idea of moving on from one another. I I definitely think that they could they could face that uncertainty. That I think they're going to face that uncertainty again this offseason. What I would say to to people who just think it's a foregone conclusion that he's out of here is, uh, there's a lot that would have to align for that to happen, and what I mean is remember Wilson has veto power over any trade because he's right. got the no trade clause. And there was only four teams on, on the list uh, that he would accept a trade to, you know, this past off season um, you figure that the Seahawks, they're not going to want to trade him to an NFC team. Uh, lest they arm another, right. you know, conference contender with a franchise quarterback and, you know, they're not going to trade him for nothing because I, you know, they've seen that even when Wilson is frustrated when both sides are frustrated. Yeah. You know, they've seen that, that may, maybe they can make it work. And so, Um, it's going to have to be a team with enough resources, whether it's draft capital, whether it's a quarterback, you know, it's gotta be a team that can give the Seahawks a viable path, a path, I should say to a viable replacement. In addition to being a team where Wilson wants to go to, in addition to being a team where the Seahawks want to send him to. So a lot of things would have to align is my point. And, uh, but I do think that it, it, you know, I, I I think it's going to be a conversation at the very least.
0: What about Pete Carroll? He's been there a long time. And this is really the first, this kind of a tough year. Is he still, I guess, does he still have a fresh message out there? Because as you know, like you were there for a long time. Sometimes that message is, gets stale. What is, what do you think his future is there? I think his future is fairly
2: secure. Now he signed, uh, I think a five-year contract extension uh, last, early last season. It was, wasn't was really announced. I think don't think it came Uh, to be known until Adam Schefter reported it. And that was a few months after the fact. And so um, what was interesting there is that, you know, Carroll, obviously he's 70 years old, the oldest coach in the NFL. He had been signing shorter term deals. He, I think his last couple deals were three-year extensions and he signed a five-year extension this time. So um, Carroll is under contract for a long time. Yeah. John Schneider, the GM, uh, is also under contract for the long time. He, he got an extension right when last season ended. So, um, you know, Carol, in terms of his message, you know, that's something that players, uh, I, you know, I think Richard Sherman and Michael Bennett may have said something along those lines. You know, guys that were on their way out after 2017, which was the last year they didn't right. make the playoffs, you know, a couple of guys took shots at him on their way out and kind of said something similar, you know, to that, that where feeling like his message is better. Uh, suited for college because players turn over and whatnot. What I would say now is, you know, I imagine that Carroll's message is different because they're in a much different situation. You sure. know, they are three and seven, uh, obviously, you know, a very small chance of making the playoffs. And so I would imagine that the players aren't hearing the same thing that they've heard for the last few seasons.
0: Um, last thing on the offense too is the offensive line, especially the interior Washington strength is John Allen, Deron Payne. What's, well, I guess this is, this is kind of a disconnected two part question. because I want to ask you more, but is that an area that Washington can exploit? And with this losing streak with Seattle or the way they're playing, do you look at them as a team that's kind of falling off or a team that maybe is close and just needs one or two things to go right?
2: You know, in terms of where the Seahawks are at, I, I think that it's probably closer to the latter, which is because they are close. They've been in all of their games. Um, I mentioned the three that they lost while Russell Wilson was out. I mean, they, they were there and you'd like to think that, or I mean, you'd figure that they would have, you know, they might've won two of those games, at least, you know, if they had Russell in those games, their defense is playing better too. And I think that's, what's going to give them a chance, even as their offense tries to find its footing here is their, their defense, I would say with the exception of that Arizona game, uh, which was a mystery because again, it was backup quarterback Colt McCoy who kind of carved them up. Their defense had been playing pretty well. They held Aaron Rodgers and the Packers to I think uh, three points through the first three plus quarters, and so um, you know. But that said, look, they're three and seven through eleven weeks, and you just you know you figure it. Whatever surge that they can mount in the second half, it, it may be too little, too late. Um, and then the what was the other part of your question? The guards, the interior, because Washington's right.
0: strength is the, is the, is the interior on that defensive line, and the Seattle guards, based on what I've heard and read. Have not been playing that great.
2: Yeah, Gabe Jackson, he's been a real solid addition for them okay. uh, at one of the guard spots. Um, the other guard spot, Damian Lewis, he's, he had a nice rookie season last year. I don't know if he's quite had the same second season. He has uh, been on the injury report this week. I believe he did not practice um, on Wednesday. And now I'm getting my days mixed up because of the weird <laughs> week. He did not practice on Friday, and then he was listed as a non participant when they did their estimated practice report uh, the day before that. So you got to wonder about his status for that game. And then at center, you know, they began the season with a guy named Kyle Fuller starting there, uh, because Ethan Posick was hurt and now Posick is back. Um, he is, he's an an okay center. He's not a a pro bowl type guy. And so, um, you know, fans love to, to play the, uh, what if game. And and one of those what if games was what if the Seahawks had drafted Creed Humphrey, uh, who's been a very good center. Instead, they drafted D Eskridge. Um, a a rookie receiver in the second round who suffered a concussion in the opener and and missed, I think the next seven games. And so um, that's one of those, uh, you know, the second guessing decisions that uh, you certainly it's, it's natural to second guess now based on what's happened with those two, but yeah, the the interior of their offensive line certainly is um, that's an area where a good defensive line could exploit.
0: Last thing, the defense, because it looked like for a while starting out not as good lately seem to be playing pretty well what's going on there
2: yeah it's uh it's kind of weird the, the the turnaround is weird in one sense which is that they're still not really getting to the quarterback all that well and they're not forcing turnovers um it's not weird in the sense that you know this was expected to be a, a pretty decent defense now they had issues at cornerback that was the big question mark uh this whole off season is do they have enough at cornerback when you know they lost Shaquille Griffin in free agency. They signed Akella Weatherspoon to replace him, but uh, they felt like he was too soft, and so they traded him before he played it down. Uh, they started Trey Flowers, who had been in and out of the starting lineup the past few seasons. had been really inconsistent. He struggled again, uh, and they cut him, basically, uh, after a few weeks after benching him. And so, you know, they were better there. They put Trey Brown, a rookie fourth-round pick. They inserted him into the starting lineup, moved D.J. Reed back over to the right side, and things were really clicking there. Trey Brown went down with a season-ending knee injury against Arizona, so you wonder if that spot is going to become problematic again, like it was earlier in the season. And yeah, I mentioned the pass rush; it, it just it, it's been the most that's been probably the biggest disappointment, uh, position group-wise on their team because that was supposed to be the strength. I mean, you go down the list of all of the all of the very solid pass rushers on that team. You know, they don't have like a, a Pro Bowl All Pro type guy. They've got They've got a, a lot of really good pass, a lot of pretty good pass rushers. Uh, Carlos Dunlap has, I think, a half a sack. Mm-hmm. And his, his most notable play this season was drawing a 15-yard penalty when he picked up a Packers player's shoe and chucked it and uh, got <laughs> penalized and, and gave him free yards on a scoring drive. And so uh, he's been a really big disappointment. Uh, a lot of other guys have just had kind of nondescript seasons. Daryl Taylor, who was their second-round pick last year, they thought he was the second-best pass rusher in the draft behind Chase Young. He got off to a pretty good start, but has kind of cooled off. So the pass rush has really been. Uh, and and by the way, Jamal Adams, don't believe he has a sack yet. Um, he's got an interception, but he he does not have a sack after getting nine and a half in twelve games last season. So pass rush is the biggest disappointment on this team. And if if they're gonna you know make something of their season, uh, and they're if they're gonna continue to play like they have for the most part. Um, over these last few games, they, they've really got to get their pass
0: rush going. They seem to have played the run well, though.
2: They have, yeah, yeah. I mean, save for – at least the number-wise, number
0: wise, numbers-wise.
2: Yeah, there was – you know, Derrick Henry kind of had his way with him in, the, I think, the second week of the season, which, you know, that's going to happen to a lot of teams. Uh, Derrick Henry's going to do that to a lot of teams. But, yeah, their, their their run defense has been better. Absolutely. it's The issue has more so been – uh, with their past defense okay. and it, early in the season, they were just getting hit on big plays. And that's why Trey flowers did not last long in the starting lineup. Uh, and DJ Reed even had some plays that he would like back on the other side. They have really done better in that regard in terms of limiting those big plays. And, and like I said, last week against Arizona, it was just a lot of underneath stuff. You know, Colt McCoy ducked out of a few sacks and he was just continuing to hit them over the middle. You know, it was majority of his throws were, you know, five yards or shorter beyond the line of scrimmage. And wow. uh, they missed some tackles. Uh, so it was it was just kind of a – it was a bizarre game in that regard where they were just continuing to get beat by the same thing over and over.
0: Brady, great stuff. Appreciate your time. Thank you very much.
2: You bet, John. I will see you in D.C. My first awesome. trip out there. I'm looking forward to
0: it. Oh, awesome. Cool. All right. We'll see you Monday. See ya. That's it for me. Thanks to John Allen and Brady Henderson for joining me. And thank you, as always, for listening. I'm thankful that people continue to tune in. I don't take it for granted. I'll be back with another episode after Monday's game against Seattle. Talk to you next time.